airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. There's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, we appreciate you listening today. Thank you for doing that. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And um, we, like you, are, you know, in the midst of this this new normal, this new different. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would start off with today, on today's program, giving just two headlines here and then um, asking you a few questions, Will the Great, because okay. I think that your days have been more different than our days have been. Okay. Would you agree? Uh, yes. 100%. I think it is. I don't know what your hesitation is. I mean, I'm trying your to see days have been I'm, more I'm different. Trying to think, you know, you're trying to uh, trick question me or something. Oh, no. <laughs> just being very cautious because I, I was wondering what, what your hesitation into. was. I wouldn't trick question you. Yes, I mean, you I mean, I would. I would. But I'm not doing it now. I'm not doing it now. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would trick question you. Yeah, but, sure um, you would. But I would... <laughs> I would give you some kind of hint as to where I, I was going to go. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't just blindside you there. I, I would I blindside right. you because it's blindside. Anyway, <laughs> um, whatever. All I'm suggesting is this, is that your days have been, watch this, mm-hmm. differenter than our days. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yes. That's all I'm suggesting. Definitely. And I know that there are some people who are listening to us. And they would identify more with having major change in their routine Mm -hmm. than what I personally and how many kids do we have at this point? Five, five, (laughs) the five kids put down the one, carry the two, Um, the five kids that we have, like the routine has pretty much stayed the same. Yeah. Somewhat, somewhat. But for you, this has been it's been a, a way radical difference, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And so I think there are some people who would identify with that. So I just wanted to ask you a few questions, mm-hmm. um, just because you know, uh, m- misery and love loves company. So just to <laughs> just to get some of that out of there. That's but before funny. we do that, um, for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, my pillow? do you know the rest of it? Yeah, my right. But that? now, how about how about for the best and safest um, face masks in the whole wide world? You can visit my pillow. Really, Mike Lindell announced today that my pillow yeah. is um, man- manufacturing masks for hospitals across the country. Come on, All right. such a blessing. He tweeted out yesterday that he was going to be on Fox News, and then it got switched over. And then today was supposed to be the announcement. And uh, the tweet was a picture of him and one, two, three, four other people on his staff uh, in the boardroom mm-hmm. showing these face masks that my pillow is manufacturing with oh, this big sign that. on the wall. That says, with God, all things are possible. Awesome. And so that's where they are. And they're working on that. And that's going to go into effect um, ASAP, um, getting these masks manufactured, which is just really, I mean, that's that's a part of what it is to be American, right? I mean, that's the blessing of being an American country. Yeah. American country. American business. (laughs) Being being a a Christian, man. Yes, no, I agree with you. Thinking about other people and how can you use your resources and your abilities and you know what you what you can do to help the general public i, I appreciate yeah. that 
Yeah, but I but my point, no, I agree with you 100%. And of course, that gets top billing. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that gets top billing. I, what I'm suggesting is because, you know, Mike Lindell, because they manufacture right in the United States of America, they don't yeah. have to cut through like so many other companies were saying, That's we true. need more of this, but we have parts of the this made in other parts of the world gotcha. that we've got to, you know, yeah. kind of negotiate and get through all the tape and all this stuff to get this so that we could have more of this. If you are an American-owned and operated country, uh, company, mm-hmm. then you can just say, hey, you know what, guys? We yeah. can do this, yeah. and we do it all here anyway, so right. we can do it all here, and we can get it to the hospitals that need it quicker. Yes, yes. And so that's all I'm saying with that, but well, no, I agree good. with you. Christian-owned and operated, and I think that that's you know, to the glory of God. And then I think secondary to that um, would be the fact that it's, it's American made yeah, and they can just do things and not good things, you know? Yeah. Although I have to, I have to say you and I had this conversation the other day when, um, you know, Mike Lindell, the, my pillow guys, um, all of them, they make these sheets with this Giza cotton, this cotton that they get from Giza. (laughs) And you and I kind of shared a laugh about that because you were like, well, how did they find that? Yeah. You know, how they find out. Well, you know, maybe you're just up, you know, up there hiking between what was it? It's like a little Somewhere small strip of land. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, man, how did they know? You know, and what? you're out there and you're like, man, you know what? This cotton is soft. I wonder, <laughs> I'm going to make sheets out of this. I'm going to, I'm, yeah, you know what? Because the pillow just got better. I'm making sheets out of the Giza cotton. I don't know how they found Giza cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they did. And yeah. so that's great news coming from Mike Lindell. Um, Okay, so good news and That's bad awesome. news. Good news oh. is that the my good news is that the my pillow people mm-hmm. are making masks for hospitals, and awesome. that's great. Um, the bad news is that Alyssa Milano is tweeting again. <laughs> What's she talking about now? Well, Come I don't on. ever think I don't think that she ever stops tweeting. But honestly, I don't follow her tweets, so yeah, I, I only either, know when what, they make I mean, news headlines. What right? Is she talking about? So she is coming for Texas, uh, the the whole state. She's coming Why? for Texas, saying that Texas is trying to stop health care to women by shutting down abortion oh. clinics. And as you heard in the news coming into the show, um, actually, abortion clinics are not shutting down. Right? <laughs> they're right. they're still gonna. Right. They're still funny. It's just really that sort of unbelievable. Like this is where we are. And so anyway, but Alyssa Milano, who has sort of um, (sighs) positioned herself as like this is going to sound mean, but it's just true. Alyssa Milano has attempted to position herself as like the feminist extraordinaire. But often what it turns out to be with Alyssa Milano is like the feminist failure. Like it's not like her tweets usually are just upsetting. Yeah. They usually don't make sense. You'll remember a while back she was talking about bodily autonomy and or whatever she was talking about with women. And she was saying how if women don't have the right, she didn't say this to murder babies, but she was saying then women should withhold their bodies. Yeah. Right. And in other words, further objectifying women. Right. Like it was just like it was dumb. It was like, how do you, what do you like? Anyway, you know, I guess there's a a segment of people who, I'm like, yeah, you tell it, Alyssa, but who's really tuned into her? Like, come on, man. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, I haven't when watched she, her I think, since Who's um, the Boss. When so she whenever showed up and sat behind <laughs> Justice Kavanaugh, I think people started paying it. Who's the boss? That the, well, I she think she's been in a few things. I mean, I must say, I haven't watched her since yeah, then. Yeah, she was. I mean, she wasn't even like the main character. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was, uh, anyway. 
Yeah, so anyway, so that's good and bad news. But then now, turning my attention to you, how are you doing? Um, your oh, routine has changed. Yes. You are working from home. Yes. And, um, you know, yeah. go the ahead. The routine how has changed, and it has been great. I would have to say I love uh, our times where we get to, to do our devotion uh, in the Book of Acts together, you know. Uh, I think it's I think it's been been great, you know. Um, JD was like, okay. <laughs> JD was like, well, why don't y'all do this all the time? <laughs> you know, trying to explain to him why he has to go into work. You know, why can't it just be like this all the time? Yeah. You know, but it, it's been. I, I think it's been great. I don't know how they feel that's about me being there. Don't you think that's a compliment? Well, yeah. Uh, no, I think we loved it. Okay, I mean, well. or we're loving it. Not that it's over. I mean, we're still <laughs> we're still in the midst of it. No, we we love it. I got to tell you, one of my favorite parts was um, one of my favorite parts was doing science with you, like the the times oh. that you participate in school, <laughs> yeah. and the kids refer to you as the new kid right. in class. I'm like, like they're like, how disrespectful, new kid. disrespectful. <laughs> and it really is, but it's hilarious. I try not to laugh as, you know, as the teacher, I'm trying to maintain See? a level of professionalism, but yeah. I do find it hilarious um, that, you know, <laughs> they don't they, understand. They snicker and mock you and they don't understand. No, and, and I don't principal. know where they I get this. The I think it's just, <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. get it. Yeah, they don't see it that way, buddy. They don't see it that way. They they see you as a new kid in class. You got to share with them, look on, share with your neighbor. Like whatever. They don't really see it that way. I'll tell you this: the first, I think, the first couple days, they saw you as the principal in the classroom. And I don't know if you noticed this, but everything was like boom, boom. They were getting stuff done. I think they were like really. <laughs> I don't know if nervous is the right word, but they were on their p's and q's, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. They were on their P's, P's and, and Q's, Q's. Um, but they were getting everything done. Yeah. And now, and now they've kind of settled into they've kind of downgraded you to the new kid in class, mm. which I think they think is hilarious, you know, to, to have you kind of participating. What did you think of science yesterday? I thought science. I felt was like fun. you didn't trust me. Well, yeah, okay. no, I trusted right. you, uh, but I thought it was yeah. fun. We had a lot of laughs. I mean, it was cool doing okay. the experiment, you know, and I learned and I learned some stuff. We you did. You know what I'm saying? I learned stuff that I didn't know well, about taste you know, buds. I mean, that's what stuff. we're here for. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. We have about how many of them in the human mouth? Do you Is remember? Is it like 10,000? I'm putting you on the spot. 10,000, yeah. 10,000. And even the way that we taste our food is really kind of extraordinary. So we did this experiment where we were um, testing, um, I guess, the hypothesis or the the I don't know, whatever you call it. See, this is what makes me a great homeschool teacher, right? <laughs> That's why the principal needs to be once home I close sometime. the Ken Ham book. Right. Like I know, right? <laughs> what are we doing here? Once I close the answers in Genesis book, I go back to being a regular old mom. I don't know. But when my book is open, it's like my red cape. When my when I'm sitting in front of my manual and my book mm-hmm. is open, that is my red cape and I'm like dun dun da da. I mean, I'm talking about old factory senses. I, I know exactly where I'm going. Mm. But when I close my binder, I'm like, well, you know the thing that you smell with. What's it? It's a nose. The thing is a nose. You, know you thing. use it. You, you, you know, know you thing. smell with your nose and you taste with your tongue. You know the thing. It turned into Joe Biden. You know everybody knows the thing. All right. You use the thing to smell and your tongue, you taste, okay? All right, you can taste four things, oh, maybe five, man. edamame, umami. We don't know. <laughs> that was it, me. It, whatever. That, oh, yeah, I'm so, I wasn't going to say that. No, I don't care. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to impress anyone. So in the book, 
We use an Answers in Genesis curriculum for our science. We kind of do a hodgepodge. We just do what we want because we do what we like to do. And if we don't like it, we don't suffer through it, right? So we're using Answers in Genesis for science, and that works for us. And uh, we get to this one section where they're talking about the four different tastes that you can taste. And they say um, some scientists have found that there is a fifth taste that you can taste, right? And um, Mm -hmm. I think this was the section that you were reading, and um, you called it edamame. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not how it went. What happened? It was was actually a little more. I've had 24 hours. Well, it was a little more embarrassing than that for me. So... I think I don't think well, I was. I'm trying to save you. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't it was. think I was reading that part, but whoever was reading that part, it may be. It may have been me, <laughs> but said umami. And I was like umami. I said, isn't that the vegetable, the thing that you eat when? And oh, that's and then what Mariah happened. was like. Yeah, edamame? and then Mariah said, <laughs> "No, that's edamame." Yeah. And then immediately she followed that with new kid. I know. Like she snickered like the man, new kid. Disrespectful. Just, I don't know I mean, about I no five cents. Funny. I didn't know about, you know, I don't know. They're adding stuff on. <laughs> this is, they're adding well, stuff. Don't, but now we did have this conversation. Don't you, don't you find that when you eat Asian dishes that there is a different taste that you have in your mouth that's yeah. not, it doesn't fall into the four categories yeah. that you're, you're yeah. familiar with? I agree. We, we, we talked about how fearfully and wonderfully um, we were made. And so then um, one of the experiments or one of the tests, the fun things to do was to see how your nose um, or how your sense of sight affects your sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Because you had to be blindfolded. Right. Exactly. And, and then you had to determine what you're smelling just based on your nose. And I was, ter- nose, I was I terrible. Think, whatever. I was terrible. Again, I wasn't going to put you out there like that. <laughs> hey, but I, I don't mean, care. hey, since I'm not we're all family here. Um, <laughs> you know, I had some moments where, because I'm, I'm conducting the experiment, and I had some moments there where I had to choose to do good things. right like i had to choose to let you guys guess at smelling good things yeah but some things i couldn't pass up like so for mariah you remember what i gave her that she was like oh oh wait 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 uh boiled eggs (laughs) you gave mariah ball that was bad that was the worst thing probably though i think that was the worst thing that everything else smelled pretty good yeah. Oh, it was so eggs. much fun for me. Oh, it was so much fun for me. <laughs> she was like, bro, boiled eggs. <laughs> yeah, she was she was like, oh, that smell. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And you're blindfolded. So it's, a, it's a complete trust exercise, right? right? Where you right, have to right, just right. trust that I'm going to give you good stuff. Be grateful that I didn't give you tuna. Could have given you tuna. Nah, I would Held like back that. on that. that. been good for me. Tuna? Yeah, I don't care. I will say this. We got to go to the break here. But I will say this. I was surprised that you couldn't guess mixed nuts. It smelled like peanut butter. So, I think mixed nuts is your blood it type. It like peanut butter. You eat that all the time. I couldn't well, believe you couldn't get we it. Gotta all right. Go. Aaron the Addison's <laughs> Urban. No, American Family Radio. We'll be right back. I want to be a flame for you. Let me be a flame for you. Burn in me, God. Burn in me. I want to be a flame for you. Let me be a flame for you. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and as Gerard Brooks, Lane. And we have our guest on, Jamie Sumner, and we're going to discuss her book, Eat, Sleep, Save the World, Words of Encouragement for the Special Needs Parent. According to the CDC, one in six children ages 3 to 17 
one in six children ages three to 17 have some sort of developmental delay. And at about the age of three is when we learned that our child number four, we have five of them, as mm-hmm. you know, and uh, child number four was developing differently from our other kids. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go into this mode of, okay, one, how did this happen? What's going on? And then you have to learn. Um, each of your children you have to learn, but when you're raising a child who has developmental delays, mm-hmm. you have to not only learn that child, but learn what those developmental delays mean for him or right. her specifically, how to live in the world with them and um, what their needs are. And it's, you know, there are no more just quick trips and no more just quick visits and things like that. The world just sort of changes. And so that's a huge um, adjustment to make. And mm-hmm. many parents in America are making that adjustment. Many Christian parents are making that adjustment, trying to figure out and navigate church and things like that. And so I'm really glad that Jamie is here to uh, encourage us. uh, We parents who are raising kids with developmental delays. Um, It's not as easy as we think, but there is so much joy. There is so much joy and there is so, so much encouragement to be found. And we're going to talk about that today. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this conversation. This was, um, in particular, a book that grabbed Will's attention yeah. first, and he said, hey, Miki, <clears throat> check this book out. I think we might need to talk to her, and I'm so glad that he did that. Can you share with our listeners a little bit of your background? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your your son with uh, developmental delays. Sure, absolutely. Um So my son, who was the inspiration for the book, um, basically he's who I wrote it for and the parents of kids like him, um, he was born premature. He was born at 30 weeks. um, And at that time, we already knew that he had a rare syndrome called Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome. Hmm. It's an overgrowth syndrome. I actually got the call confirming that diagnosis and went into labor shortly after on the same day. So whether those things are coincide, it was such a blessing though, just straight from God, because we knew not to go to the fancy hospital that we had done our our tour of that, that everybody wants to go to. We went to the research university hospital. They said, go there. Um, They know how to take care of you there. And because of that, Charlie was born into a room full of people that knew exactly what to do with a kid like him. So Mm -hmm. that was actually a blessing. So he was born early and um, part of his overgrowth syndrome was he had an enlarged tongue. So he couldn't breathe. And we spent 10 to 12 weeks in the NICU trying to figure out how to get him home and keep him safe. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a long time to live in, in that environment. Um, and so he came home eventually with a tracheotomy to help mm. him breathe through his throat and then later a G-tube. So his early years were very um, fraught, I would say, with with panic and worry. And it wasn't just getting through the days, it was getting through the hours because you just, you just didn't know. You wore an oxygen and heart rate monitor and it was that vigilance that you keep as a new parent anyway. And mm. then as a new parent to a child that's so fragile was was pretty intense. Um, and then he received his diagnosis of cerebral palsy at age one, typically when they diagnosed that. And we knew ahead of time that that would probably be the case as well. Um, it's still so hard. I mean, I heard you talk about your child, and it's hard to 
hear a diagnosis. Even if you suspect or know it's coming, it's hard to to process it once it becomes official. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. How old is your son now, Jamie? He just turned eight. Um, You know, we we were going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. That was his request. But um, we we had a stay-at-home party instead and (laughs) celebrated here because his birthday was the 15th. And we thought, maybe don't risk Chuck E. Cheese, where you already feel like you're all dermy. Right. Um, <laughs> we decided maybe don't. That's a risk we're not willing to take for, like, you know, yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true, Jamie, because, I mean, look, even in the best of times, right. Chuck E. Cheese's is sort of like you're just kind of rolling the dice. You don't know. You know what I mean? You don't know what you're coming Why is home what I'm with. Thinking- yeah, why is everything sticky? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't want to so, know. So help me and right and and you don't. Uh and then and then you know, they serve food there. It's all just it doesn't make sense. Um Oh yeah. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not enough sanitizer in the world. <laughs> no. No, and certainly not at this moment. So definitely you made the right exactly. decision being home. <laughs> um tell us what tell us what life is like with Charlie. Do you and your husband do you guys have other children? Oh yes. We have um 5-year-old twins as well. Mm. Boy-girl twins, Cora and Jonas. 5-year-old Jonas. twins. Okay. So, wow. It's a circus. It <laughs> is. I mean, and that's you know now that we're all home and and they're they're crazy and we to, to put it bluntly we bought a trampoline last week out of desperation like we need <laughs> a trampoline yeah. so my husband was out putting the trampoline together in the rain just to um, give them some some way to get out energy but yeah the 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 twins are are luckily everyone is healthy and good and and life now although I just kind of jokes about it being crazy it's a much more um normal version of crazy and Mm. and a more relaxed version of what we had when he was little because nothing could really compare to just the level of kind of constant fear you have and 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 even though things are difficult I mean always if if you have a child with, with different needs you're always wondering you know what you could be doing more or how you could better meet those needs but that is a different thought and emotion than panic over your child. Mm-hmm. And so we are very grateful for the stage we're in now. You know, and I want to I want to talk about that um, before we run out of time, because it's it's so true mm-hmm. when you mentioned that there are different things that we always kind of question. Could we be doing this differently? Could we be doing more? Mm-hmm. You know, should this be happening? Those kinds of things. And so I I do want to talk about that. But before we do, I'm hoping that you can kind of paint a picture for our listeners, sort of like. Um, what your life is like raising your son. And then of course you have your twins, but specifically the challenges of um, being a mom of a kid who has um, special needs or different needs. Yeah, I think as far as Charlie goes, for one thing I'll say to listeners out there who are parents of kids with special needs themselves, um, no two experiences are the same for anybody. So Even if you had a child with the exact same diagnosis, like it's so important just to see the individual as they are um, and the parent as they are. Uh, but Charlie in particular, um, 
he is in a wheelchair and he's mostly nonverbal. And so a lot of what we do day to day is there's the physical heavy lifting part of that, but there's also how can I make sure that he can get his voice out there? Um, mm-hmm. He's a speaking device. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how do, how do I make sure that he is seen and heard in the ways that he wants to? Because it's very easy as a mom to like, make assumptions and, and to be his advocate so strongly that I don't, that I kind of drown out his own little voice that needs to, to mm. come out and his wishes and desires. And so that takes a lot of praying and, and just moment by moment kind of faith that I've just got to trust that God's going to make that clear to me and to his teachers and, and everyone else, because it's hard when you have a child who, who can't voice where yeah. it hurts or if I'm sad or no, I don't want that or I'd prefer this and this is the emotion I'm feeling um so that is a lot of trust and intuition um that my husband and I have to kind of lean into so we don't miss the signs I guess is what I would Mm -hmm. say so with that in mind um how have you structured your book like how should parents approach reading the book and what might be our expectations after we've read it Okay, so I could not, let me preface this by saying I could not have written this book when Charlie was little. This book um, required a pretty hefty dose of hindsight to be able to look back and kind of gather those, those seeds that were planted back then um, into some form of, of wisdom to help other people. Because when you're right in the middle of, the, of all the hectic, hardest parts, the first thing I would say is you have to grant yourself grace to not have perfect perspective all the time because none of us do anyway but in those situations you just have to like brace your feet get your equilibrium and just keep going yeah um but so the book itself is set um it's structured into six different parts and they're key uh character traits that i see in special needs parents um that they don't always see in themselves so things like determination and hope and resilience um, and patience and laughter and thankfulness. Those are all mm. the things that I would wish for other parents. But also I think because we have to practice so much more our parenting in certain ways, I think we have those in higher doses. Um, and the book is structured in a way that I wanted to point out what parents are already doing well because nobody needs like, nobody needs another manual for their child or an mm. instruction booklet or a list of tasks. Like, I I never respond to those kinds of books because they feel like there's already so much. I don't want another list of things that I feel like I'm not doing or that I that I need to do right. better. I just wanted this book to be a reminder of how God's taking care of the parents and then how, in turn, those parents are really taking care of their children if they look at it from a godly perspective, that they are really doing a wonderful job with what God has given them. Yeah. Just a question about um, the practical day to day, you know, having other children, you know, how do you make sure everybody has what they need? Like as far as attention wise, because mm-hmm. sometimes with, when you have a, a yeah. special needs uh, child, you have to put more attention into that. So how do you balance all of that out, and even with your husband? 
Okay, so that is a great question. <laughs> That's the question. Um, and the answer is I, I, I don't have a perfect formula, but the thing that I try to tell the, the kids, all three of them, is that our family is a team. Mm. And what that means is I'm not, it's like I'm not a, responsible all the time to meet everyone's needs as, mm. as the mom, mm-hmm. even though I even though secretly in the back of my head, I'm thinking I, I am responsible. <laughs> I, I'm trying to let that go. And so what I tell the kids um, is that we have to work together as a team. If you see that Charlie needs something, you can you can provide that just as well as I can. If he needs a book he can't reach because he's in that chair, then, then you step up. If, mm. if you That's need good. some alone time, you tell me and I'll give you some alone time. Or if you need to just lay on my lap, for the next 30 minutes, that's what we're going to do. And so a lot of what I try to do, at least with the kids, is teach them how to take care of each other because that's essentially what we're asked to do mm. anyway in our cultures. We have to lean into everyone's needs um, wherever they crop up, mm-hmm. um, no matter what our role is and our relation is to that person. Um, the same goes for my husband and I. It's, it, is, it is harder now to carve out space for each other than it was even when Charlie was very little because it's so hectic. Mm-hmm. But I think that for us, the way we take care of each other, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, again, you see those like 10 tricks for the perfect date night <laughs> and like all of these things. Yeah. I think literally it could be, we have stopped as we're passing each other in a doorway and we've just leaned into each other mm. for like 30 <laughs> seconds. Just literally, just, I literally need to lean on yeah. somebody. <laughs> That's it's great. Just stuff like that. But it's those little resets that help us keep Help us keep going. Yeah. That's so good. And that's exactly what it is. You have those those different moments, um, you know, yes, with, with your husband, with your spouse, but also with your children where it is is literally like a reset where you just kind of are mm-hmm. re-anchored again. Like you take your focus off that thing that's been consuming you, whatever it is, you know, the feelings of failure, the feelings yeah. of like overwhelm, and you have just a moment of reset um, I know that the word of God is powerful. I mean, it's been so encouraging in my own life to read through the scriptures and to be encouraged by the Lord's sovereignty and by the Lord's faithfulness and his mercy. How has the word of God um, really helped you in this time or during this time as you're raising Charlie? I, you know, it's funny. It's it, they, You talk about or you hear people talk about like making, having head knowledge. Um, with your faith about God and Jesus, and then having the heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I really think that until I had Charlie, I did not have the heart knowledge Mm. that Mm. has changed my faith so much. Um, The stories that I read and could have recited and probably put characters on felt boards in Sunday school when I was little, like that I knew backwards and forwards, didn't really become real to me until I had him. And and that's... um, Partly what the book does as well, I tell stories, anecdotes from my own life, but also um, share scripture from the Bible, instances where I see, and this is so powerful, when you see your own story reflected in God's Word, uh, that, you know, thousands of years ago, this, this Jesus told this parable, and it is literally applying to my life today, that, that to me is such a message of hope, because it, it mm-hmm. puts 
Jesus in the context of my current life in a way that I don't think I would have paid attention to before. Let's because do this. He's so outside of time. It's just amazing to see how we can step into time. Amen. Jamie, let me do this. Let me grab this break really quickly and we'll come back and pick up right here. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Stay close. That's Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Todd Delaney with Fall in Love Again. And our guest today is Jamie Sumner. Her book, Eat, Sleep, Save the World, Words of Encouragement for the Special Needs Parent, is our topic of discussion today. And before we went to the break, uh, we were basically talking about when the Word of God just comes to life mm-hmm. in our lives. Amen. I mean, you know, there's, there is that head knowledge that we all have. So many of us as believers... There are things that, you know, until we're going through something, we can tell other people, right? We can encourage other people, (laughs) but (laughs) there is something about you being in the thick of it and the word of God springing into action in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And having this close encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ where everything that he has said and everything that he has spoken becomes real. And and I want to say it this way. I know it may sound, I don't know, people have a hard time with this, but not only does it become real, but it becomes necessary in a way that you didn't imagine. Mm. It's like you're fine that other people need this encouragement, that other people need to cling and they need to hold on to. But um, there's that moment in your life where you also need to cling and need to hold on to. And uh, and sometimes in situations like this where you're dealing with a special needs kid and I want to make a shift to this and, and get Jamie's take on this. But it's being in situations where. You're around other people who maybe are not raising children with special needs or who have different needs. And there's always that awkward moment where, as a parent, you feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Charlie's situation is different from Nathaniel's situation. And and I will say this, I've, I've said at different times that, you know, when we walk into a setting because Nathaniel's issues are intellectual and emotional delays and things like that. And so these things all manifest differently. But outwardly, no one would look at him and know immediately that there are some developmental delays. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like when we walk into a setting, if he starts to not respond or if he's overwhelmed or if there's too many people, if it's too bright or too loud, um, it just looks like a kid just having a tantrum. Right. And, you know, and sometimes that is so overwhelming. And as a parent, you're just left in your mind scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. But those are the moments where it would be so nice for people to just understand that sometimes trying to help is not helping. I don't know if Jamie has ever had Mm -hmm. situations like that. Jamie, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) How have you gotten through that? I think so. I've, I've had, so I've had both experiences with this. So what you're describing, which is people want to help, but especially with, with sensory stuff like that, when there's overstimulus mm-hmm. yes. and it becomes too much, an additional person helping, I'm, <laughs> no one can see me, I'm using air quotes right now, <laughs> right. but, uh, but uh, it, it, can, it can exacerbate the, right. the situation because right. what you need is space. And if you could press a button and construct a bubble around yourself and your child for just two minutes, it could kind of get the situation under control, mm-hmm. um, or at least calmer. But that's not always possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I've had those situations where I've had to summon whatever that part of you is that, that puts the filter up just enough to be able to say, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate your help. We're going to step over here because Charlie yeah. for sure has some of that sensory stuff. And we've been waiting to board a plane and he, I've had to pick him up out of his wheelchair and he will have a full on fit and there is nowhere we can go. And everyone wow. in lines A, B and C, you ready to get on the plane are watching this full fit, you know, and, and in those moments, the, the best thing I can do for my own heart is to remember that, one, none of these people's opinions necessarily matter mm-hmm. for what's going on in my life, um, because that's the thing I think gets me so frazzled. I'm like, what are they thinking, or what's going on? You know, and it distracts me from taking Charlie. But if I can just say, you know what? They don't matter right now. Charlie matters right now, and mm. I have to let God speak louder than these people basically. Yeah. Um, wow. so that's our, that's our big, that's my biggest thing that I hold on to. Um, it doesn't always work. I mean, I've had some meltdowns too while he's having <laughs> meltdowns because it happens. You get so frazzled that suddenly yeah. there's just no coming back. Um, so I guess that creates empathy for our kids when they're going through it. But, um, the other thing we've encountered with Charlie, because his is so visible I mean, you see the wheelchair, and when he has a mm-hmm. trach, and can can ignore the trach, um, we, what we notice is people err on the on the kind of polite side, and they don't want to be rude, and so they ignore him. Like, they see him, or maybe their child wants to come up and say hello or ask questions, and they're too nervous about mm-hmm. causing a scene or saying the wrong thing. And so instead what happens is Charlie goes unnoticed. And mm-hmm. and that's a hard place to be too because pretending someone doesn't exist doesn't make them feel better. Wow. Oh, that's a great point. Awkward. Yeah, I mean I would much rather be asked an awkward question than to have someone pull their child away because they don't want their child to say something rude you know what i mean yes Hmm. yes no that is an excellent point and this is so good this is why um i think these kinds of conversations are so beneficial because you get to hear all of these different perspectives where like in your situation i think that would be the temptation because i would i would go into a situation where um our our son would ask me a lot of questions and then i would think oh man maybe that's going to make you uncomfortable or maybe that's going to because he's trying to process the world so a lot of things right. don't are not immediately clear to him. So he asks lots of questions, right? Like he's trying to figure things out around him. But what you're saying is so important that, you know, as a parent, it's not good for us to just pull him away and, and to ignore, um, in this case, Charlie. So I, I think help parents understand how to navigate that. So not only for the special needs parents that are listening, but for the parents who don't maybe have any kind of firsthand experience with this, how how do they navigate this when they are out and about? I guess a suggestion. I, yeah, that makes total sense to me. Because it is the kind of thing where if you're not thrown into the situation, how would you how would you ever know? I mean how and that's one thing that I that I'm gonna press preface this with is that I always try to extend grace to the people that are coming into our circle because I I 
don't know how I would react if I didn't have the experience I have with Charlie. And Mm -hmm. so I can't expect anyone else to as well. And that's a really good reminder to me to kind of get my heart in the right place. Because, you know, we're called to teach each other through our experiences. That's why God gives us so many different experiences Mm -hmm. and makes us such different people from each other. Um, And so the thing I would say to people who haven't had a lot of experience with, with children with special needs is don't be afraid to ask questions, to mm-hmm. ask, to, to if, if you're curious, your curiosity shows me that you care, that's that good. you are willing to learn, because that's the, that's the biggest thing that like kind of crosses those boundaries is the willingness to learn and be curious about someone else's experience, even if it's not about special needs, just to lean into someone else and want to know more about their life is life giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's so been the thing for us that we, that we have really felt. It's so funny. I probably would be an introvert with four friends if it weren't for Charlie. <laughs> because of him, our world is so, our world is so huge because I've had to extend our lives because we've needed so much help. So I've had to ask for so much help, which is always mm-hmm. hard to do, mm-hmm. but also people have come into our lives and we've, we've expanded our world in ways we wouldn't have with, Mm. without Charlie. Wow. I want to, I want to jog over to, I think a topic that tends to make parents with special needs kids uncomfortable, just depending on how they have battled. And, and I want to explore how your book maybe helps to encourage parents in this area but there is real grief that is involved when you have a kid with special needs. And and I know that when we hear the word grief, you know, there are people who say, well, no, you haven't lost a child, but there are things that you have lost. And and I want to talk about that. So there, there are expectations that you have when you learn that you're pregnant, right? And there are just things that you think, well, this is going to be how life is and you're going to continue moving about. And then, you know, you learn that no, those expectations, um, they're gone. And so you grieve that. And for many of us, you grieve it in different ways, but you grieve it ongoingly as, as your kid is supposed to be making these mile markers and things are different. Every Mm -hmm. time you're like, there's another reminder of this loss, but then you feel guilty that you are missing the loss and Mm -hmm. not just grateful that you Mm -hmm. have your kid. So it's like this never ending cycle what encouragement do you have for parents who are struggling with this? That is such a, that's, that right there is one of those, it, you're right, it's an emotion that's cyclical because it keeps coming back up, and so you can't check it off a list of, I have been victorious over this right. thing, <laughs> right. which makes it so much harder. Um, the thing, the first thing I would say is, and I talk about this a lot in the book, um, is that sense of guilt that we carry around over over feelings that, that crop up um, is that is not, God does not want us to be weighed down by a sense of guilt. The Amen. guilt is, is self-induced um, because God is not looking at us and shaking a finger because we're feeling this way and we're wishing something different. He understands that emotion because Jesus here and felt every emotion. And mm-hmm. so God is the most empathetic. Jesus is the most empathetic, you know, creator we could ever hope for. And mm-hmm. so remembering that when you have that emotion, 
and and you kind of think about what you wish once was or what could be, I think is the biggest way to step out of the cycle is because, oh, well, you know, this is, I'm human and this is what I'm feeling right now and it's going to pass because we have emotions every, you know, 30 seconds. So, and to remember that it's not like a mark against your character mm-hmm. for feeling that way um, is okay. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing I would say for sure. Um, and the second thing, I think that there is a reason that we get this picture of a heavenly future where all things will be made new. And it's, Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's so that we can... So that when we have those feelings of regret for kind of what is or what could have been, we can lean into the fact that it's all going to be remedied. Charlie is going to run and he's going to Oh, come on, Exactly what he wants to tell me when we get to heaven. I'm so excited for that, you know? And that's a powerful thing to remind yourself um, and to lean into when you're feeling that because this this situation is not permanent. That's right, man. That's right. Jamie, that is so <laughs> encouraging. I just got to tell you, like, I mean, that is one of those things that, um, you know, in the body of Christ, that's the benefit that we have in knowing the Lord Amen. and knowing the gospel, knowing the truth of what awaits us and knowing that this is a temporary life that um, we are sojourners, that we are just passing through. And so it gives us the strength and the encouragement mm. to face what is wrong in the world, knowing that it will be made right, that Amen. all things will be as they are supposed to be. Um, and that is that is such an encouragement. I want to wrap up with this because I know that we're uh, nearing the end of the show here. But when you look at Charlie, and you may have kind of already touched on it a little bit, but when you look at Charlie, um, what is your hope and what is your desire for your son? Oh, so many so many. Charlie is so full of life. I mean, he, he is literally the happiest child we'll ever meet. He wants so much to connect with people. And I think I think that's my biggest hope for him is that God will continue to present ways for him to connect as he needs to, even without using his voice the way most people use their voice. Um, I have seen how people just get Charlie. They just it is supernatural. They just get him. And I think that's my biggest hope is that as he grows older, um, that people will continue to just get Charlie and, and hear him even when he doesn't use words to say the things he wants to say. Um, that's my biggest hope and prayer. Um, because I, I, as much as I want to be the one that's always there to be his voice, <laughs> that's also not my, my job 100% of the time. And I have to mm-hmm. trust that it's, you know, Charlie is ultimately God's and God is going to give Charlie the voice and the opportunity to use it. Amen. Mm-hmm. So encouraging. The book, mm-hmm. Eat, Sleep, Save the World, Words of Encouragement for the Special Needs Parent. The author of that book, Jamie Sumner, has been our guest today. Jamie, where can our listeners get copies of the book and how can they connect with you? I know that you write for the New York Times and the Washington Post. How can our listeners learn more about you? I do. Um, they can find me on my website. It's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E hyphen Sumner dot com. And book, the book is available everywhere books are sold. I will mention Lifeway is doing a special ebook promotion right now because books are delayed everywhere. So <laughs> if you don't want to wait till May to receive a book, um, I would encourage you to 
to look online and buy the ebooks um, wherever you can. So. Wonderful. Jamie, thank you so much. Thank you for this book and, and thank you for this time. What an encouragement it's been. God bless you and your family. You too. Thank you. Man, will agree. I really Man. appreciate that. I, I awesome. appreciate conversations where um, there is this mutual encouragement and hopefully the body of Christ is strengthened. Yeah. The book, again, Eat, Sleep, Save the World. Jamie Sumner, our guest today. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.